My name is Alec Cowan, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. This podcast contains language that may not be suitable for all listeners. Hi, hello, and you are currently listening to Orchata Squad with your host, Veronica Fernandez Alvarado and Marian Fragoso. And we have actually, we're both here today. Can you believe that? Yes, finally. I know. I've missed you, except I haven't at all. I kind of hate I you. I missed you so much. I, I can't believe you abandoned those. me. You know I have abandonment issues. <laughs> you know I'm fragile. How dare you do this? <laughs> you are very emotional, yes. <laughs> okay, but we're not alone here because we're never alone because we're very insecure. We always Damn. need company. <laughs> So we have a very special, amazing guest with us here. Romario, please introduce Hi. yourself. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Romario Garcia Bautista. And yeah, I am a guest on today's podcast. Now tell the audience a little bit about yourself. A little bit about myself. So um, I, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even t- tell you my pronouns. My pronouns are he, him, his. Um, I'm a student. Um and I go to a university, and um, I love storytelling, mm, I guess. Ooh. I love the whole concept of storytelling. I love being around people. I just, I love everyone, and yeah, I don't know. I just And everyone loves you. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's your favorite vine? Favorite vine? Mm, definitely... I have to go with the one that, of, about the girl that says, look at all those chickens. I don't know. Why. That <laughs> That's just, a good one. It just, it just brings us It's because, like, it catches you by surprise. It's iconic. Like, they're yeah. not even chicken, they're duck. So, I mean, just like. And she's so sure. Exactly. And I'm just like that confidence, you know. Like, when you're at that level, it's just like, okay, I'm all right. I wish fine. I could be like that exactly. all the time. You know, I feel. Tell, totally feel. <laughs> so, Romario here is actually our first um, male guest Aww. in Orchata Squad 2.0. That is such a fucking privilege. Yeah. That is such a fucking privilege. And we don't welcome men into our space. I know that. That's <laughs> not Kermit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, because of that, I just really want to thank y'all for, mm. you know, I shouldn't be in this space. And this <laughs> is, you know, this is a place for women of color. And I respect and I'm just so grateful for all the work that you do. And, um, yeah, it's it's a privilege being here. I'm not supposed to be here, but. No, yeah, like, we love you. Thanks yeah. for being here. But, yeah. you know, that, but yeah, I appreciate all the work that you mm. do and, and everything. So, yeah. 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 And one reason why we have Romario here, especially as a first male guest, is because he fucking loves Femmes of Color. Yes. He yes. is a fan. <laughs> Number one fan. Mm. We need our other segments first before we go into the topic. Oh, oh yeah. I just wanted to say that, okay. though. <laughs> we, we love you, Romario. But you. also, it is that time where we talk <laughs> about what you've brought to the podcast room. Yes. Yes. And before I talk about what I wanted to bring, I just... Wanted to again thank y'all for being here and to acknowledge that we are on Kalapoya land, which is the native land in which mm-hmm. we are currently doing our podcast on. And so, just honoring those indigenous people that were here before us um, and acknowledging that they're still here. So, yeah. thank you, thank you for saying yeah, that. thank yeah. you so much. And um, so, the item, so do I kind of describe it or yeah. yeah, describe it? Okay, well, the keys already gave it away, but it's something mm-hmm. on, on my key that um, it's kind of like a pink color on top. And then on the bottom, it's like peach. 
and it has like lines and it's kind of squishy. <laughs> and then can but I? But what sh- is it? So it's a concha. <laughs> <laughs> and um, for ever for those of you who know me, um, I come from a family of bakers, and bread has been a huge part of my life. Do I like it? No, but it's been a huge part of my <laughs> I like life. No. I don't like bread. <laughs> um, you don't like bread? I don't. Oprah doesn't like you then. Yeah, it's mm. it's once you grow up making bread and seeing it each and every day, True. you're just going to eventually hate it. And it's, yeah. yeah, so I just don't like this. But um, I don't like eating it, but it has a really strong presence for me and my family because um, so just a little story about um, my great grandma and my great grandpa had mm-hmm. my grandpa, of course. And so um, with their family, um, they lived in a really small rural indigenous village, so they didn't know how to speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. And so when they had their first child, which was my great uncle, um, they kind of like forced him to like help out someone in the city. Um, And they did that and they they didn't pay him, but they did that so he could learn how to speak Spanish Mm -hmm. and then also just learn how to work within like any type of like. Um, type of occupation and so he worked for this panadero and mm-hmm. this panadero basically taught my great uncle how to make bread and my great uncle taught all of his siblings which was one of them was my grandpa mm-hmm. and so my grandpa taught his children which was my mom Aww. and then my mom taught all of us and so that's what my mom kind of like does for a living and we come from a family of bakers so it's kind of like this has a really big importance in my family yeah. in terms of like us reaching or just like kind of like going out of the village mm-hmm. and, and expanding so yeah that's beautiful yeah yeah i love that what do you think about i'm sorry (laughs) Uh, what do you think about concha slander a lot of people hate conchas because they're so dry yeah i don't know i'm Um, a concha fan well my mom our bread is actually really good so oh i believe that it's pretty Mm -hmm. good you know i just i can't lie on that aspect you know i just gotta (laughs) gotta bring you with the facts (laughs) Uh, but i mean and like i said in terms of my situation like it's just uh, no (laughs) i'm good (laughs) but yeah I know the, what is it, Tres Reyes? Yeah. That holiday that kills mm. you? Yeah. I know that you hate that yeah, holiday so, I, so much. Dia de Reyes? Dia de Reyes because um, we just have so many orders. Dia de los oh, Muertos. Los so good though. Dia de los Muertos, we get so <laughs> much, so mm, many orders of... Pan de Muerto, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much Pan de Muerto, like it's ridiculous. Yeah. And then um, um, usually like when it's wedding season mm-hmm. yeah we get a lot of what is of wedding season like wedding summer? season is like summer yeah mm-hmm. kind of like june july um when when all the they have like traditional oaxacan weddings and then they mm-hmm. have to start off with like <laughs> thousands pieces of breads and yeah they give you like these big pieces of breads and like a tiny cup of chocolate which doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> still now because you can't even dip it in so yeah no but yeah that's that's that love it yeah, we love it so much. Thank you so much. For so, like, did that. you bring us bread? Or I didn't. You know, I only do bread. I'm only, I only make bread with, I'm with when I'm with my mom because she forces me to. <laughs> if I yeah. had to make it voluntarily out of my heart, that would never ever happen. So, <laughs> yeah, that is not a possibility. Never a possibility. Yeah. Okay. I love that you're honest. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. You're gonna ask me and tell me not. <laughs> okay. Well, we. Well, um, no, I didn't. I keep being a really bad person and keep I keep forgetting to bring stuff. Um, I Kermit is also at home. Okay, that's on you though. I know that's all on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did but you bring something? No, I didn't bring anything. <laughs> but you usually do. So you brought you br- y'all brought yourselves. Come I exactly. brought we brought ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But moving on, we're gonna go off to shout outs and shout outs for those who do not know, which you all should know by now, is. Us giving recognition, appreciation, and love to femme ducks of color who do amazing work 
and who we just want to shine a wonderful light on. Yeah. So there's a couple of people I could have given shout outs to, but the, <laughs> the ones I kind of want to do today, the ones that have been real, um, are of two individuals who have just been with me since the beginning of mm-hmm. my college, um, of my, the beginning of my college experience here. Mm-hmm. And the first one is my roommate, Yomaira, mm-hmm. um, because she's just, that's my day one right there. Like she knows me front to back and she knows me a little too well. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she's like, I don't know, she's just a great person to be around. Um, and she always checks up on me and, you know, it's it's mutual, just the respect and the love we have for mm-hmm. each other. So shout out to you, Yomara, Yomami. <laughs> And then the second person is my friend, Samantha Bergwin. And so she, uh, I met her my freshman year here, and she does a lot of work um, both within the black community here and, and um, at the university as well as the Salvadorian community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's just been a really big inspiration to me and just been a really good friend and just has done so many things that, um, yeah, I just felt like she deserved to be recognized for that. Those are my shout outs. <laughs> Yeah, I've like I've met Sammy. Yeah. Yeah, and she is just so nice and wonderful and really cool. She's a part of that um like what's the sorority called again? Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Yeah, isn't yeah. that like one of the divine nine? Yeah, one of the divine nine. Yeah. yeah, Greek organizations and so. Yeah, she's done a lot of work in the community and even at the Rasoni the Youth Conference she was on the panel. Mm-hmm. Um and she got was to share amazing. and got to share her experiences as a as a black Salvadorian woman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um talking about her experiences both in the black community and the Latinx community. So, definitely um she's done a lot of work and I respect that. So, that's so cool. I don't know her, but she sounds amazing. She's she's pretty dope. Yeah, <laughs> she's super amazing. And yeah, so we hope um, those shout outs feel like appreciated today mm-hmm. and loved because they're appreciated and loved here in Wachata Squad. Mm-hmm. So true that. <laughs> moving on, we're going to our main topic and I'm going to have Romario introduce it for us. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I am. I identify as First Nations. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of. You know, my community, a lot of my culture, a lot of the history of where I come from um, definitely um, comes to a lot of indigenous women, specifically Mm -hmm. indigenous people, but indigenous women specifically. Um, And kind of just, you know, going going into the 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 topic of indigeneity. And, you know, before I start off talking, I just want to acknowledge, you know, all of the indigenous women um, who have raised me and who have just mm-hmm. done so much work in the community. Cause like I said, I shouldn't be me here in this space talking about them. Um, and I have a lot of male privilege specifically mm-hmm. in these communities in which they are constantly discriminated and marginalized. And um, yeah, but you know, it was very hard of me to kind of like think about if I should be speaking, but mm-hmm. um, definitely uh you know, if I can advocate for them, not not by taking up a lot of space, but in a way just like acknowledging, you know, that um, and just calling out specifically <laughs> men of color or indigenous men who contribute to that um, in any way, then, you know, might as well use my voice for something good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and OK, so for one thing, I know Romario here is very talented. He has many amazing aspects about himself. One of them is he has great photography and video skills. Yes. And I don't know if anyone here has been to Allen Hall and like 
not this term, but last term. The last two terms, yeah. The mm-hmm. last two terms. Romario had an exhibit on the second floor. Mm-hmm. And the main topic, like what what I saw, what it was mainly focused on was indigenous women in his, um, you know, Pueblo. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the village is called Yaguiza is a Zapotec name. The Spanish name is Santana del Valle. And so uh, this project is called Juna de Zapotec de Yaguiz, which translates to the Zapotec women of Santana del Valle. And I began this project um, and it all started because of my sister. Mm-hmm. So my sister is an indigenous writer, an indigenous uh, actor. And she does a lot of work um, specifically with small theater companies in Los Angeles. And so she wrote this poem called Chingona. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just really kind of like opened my eyes um, as to like just how much privilege I had, you know, as as, as a man and growing up mm-hmm. as a lot of the times, um, you know, just, just seeing these differences that went on and how I was treated compared to my sister. Um, and I, you know, and it just made me realize that and, um, particularly a lot of the times, you know, when we hear about indigenous people or indigenous stories, Mm -hmm. indigenous activists, it's particularly focused on men. And so, um, you know, I, I was beginning to realize that and being like, wow, women aren't given, women aren't given voices. And it's not that women aren't given voices. It's just like the platform has always been for men and men mm-hmm. have always been speaking about themselves, about the community, about women, and it never had been women themselves. So the purpose of this project was for me with this privilege, with the privilege that I have of being a man, with the privilege I have of having an education and knowing how to use media and all these different types of um, devices to give these women a platform to tell their stories the way they want it to be told. Mm -hmm. And so it all started with the photograph, the first photograph I took of my sister when she came to visit me. We went to the one one of the water fountains. And um, yeah, I told her, yeah, just like, we can take pictures if you want to. And yeah, and so she brought a couple of her her clothes, um, traditional clothing too. And then um, she's like, yeah, I want to take I want to take these pictures here or, or we, we can take them here. And so we took those pictures and the first. Yeah, I went through a bunch of it, but there was just this one that came out really, really nice. And she loved it. And, you know, she was just really shocked as to like kind of mm-hmm. like seeing herself through that. And um, yeah, and that's actually been one of the most recognized pictures on campus. Is um, it the one with the hair? Yeah, Which the one with the oh, hair. Yes. Yeah, it's in the dean's. It's in the dean's office Ooh. in the School of Journalism. Um, it's been exhibited at here in Allen Hall. It's in the Kalapuya Building, mm-hmm. um, um, and it's been exhibited at the Longhouse. So it's been it's been pretty well known here on campus. And they also made it into thank you cards for the School of Journalism, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that that picture honestly started this whole project, and I went back to the village and I told I I you know a lot of the women that I knew in the community I was like I'm doing this project. Um, my goal is just to to kind of just um, sh- uh, show the world how you see yourself, mm-hmm. and so I got to interview a lot of these women who really opened up their hearts to me, and you know it was just such a privilege. But you know with each and with each conversation came a really true difficult story a difficult journey Mm -hmm. and you know just just how i could you know interpret that into something beautiful into something that they that they that they themselves see themselves so yeah kind of yeah kind of a lot of that but yeah particularly that topic amazing (laughs) that is amazing yeah we're all like whoa yeah Yeah. i'm 
astonished like I know it's so beautiful. I've seen those photos before, and they're really, really beautiful. Um, if y'all get the chance to ever see them, they're so beautiful, um, very colorful too. And I think it's rarely that we see just like indigenous women existing. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. in those a lot of um, photographs and videos and stuff. Like it's usually like the struggle of indigenous women, mm-hmm. and like um, you know, sometimes you just need pictures of them existing because. People, like, literally people forget that they're still here. Mm-hmm. Indigenous people still exist, you know? So it's, like, the fact that they're just there, they're just, like, your sister just, like, combing her hair. Like, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And it's also, yeah, and I I haven't, well, they're on RomarioGarciaBautista.com if you want to <laughs> go see them there. But it's also this idea that, you know, um, it, it, has, it has a little bit be- the best of both worlds because, you know, as as um as like viewers, mm-hmm. especially within the Latinx community, there's this idea of indigenous romanticizing mm-hmm. indigenous, yes. mm-hmm. and so romanticizing indigenous women specifically as to like you know like this idea of Pocahontas or of this innocence mm-hmm. of all this stuff. Um, but there's definitely a mixture of, of that. Like as there's yes, there are women who who dress traditionally who you know you know um, follow their traditional um, type of lifestyle. But there are also women you know who like my sister are here in another form and they're contributing in a different way. Mm-hmm. They wear pants, you know. They they dress like just like like each and every one of us, but it's yeah. like, you know, being one or the other doesn't increase or decrease like your indigeneity and like what you what you represent as like an indigenous person. So, yeah, kind of going into that. Yeah, and what you talk about about like modern indigen like indigenous people, it reminds me of that mural about um i forgot what it's called but it's like la oaxacans what oh oaxaca california the oaxaca california (laughs) yes oh my gosh i love that okay so where can i find that or where can i see um, that it was in the la um the la uh the los angeles um Downtown Museum. There's okay. a museum in downtown Los Angeles, and they had the this, LACMA. Um, no, no, no. It was the 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 one in downtown LA, the public library. Okay. Yeah, it was one. <laughs> yeah, one of those. And um, this they had this exhibit called Oaxaca California. And so, for those of you who don't know, um, Oaxaca California is this kind of like social um, definition mm-hmm. of just a huge impact the Oaxacan community has had in Los, Ale- Los Angeles, and you know the big ties of Oaxaca with Los Angeles immigration mm-hmm. ties, and so. Um, yeah, so so this exhibit kind of just brought both both cultures and integrated into one as to kind of just again, um, if not like value both the valuing the valuing the importance of both and not like mm-hmm. d- um, degrading or or you know in- increasing the value of another. Mm-hmm. So for example, one of them was about a woman, an indigenous woman who was dressed traditionally, mm-hmm. but she was like getting tattooed mm-hmm. and she was like holding her cell phone. Damn. So it's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's just like this, ev- ev- this like evolution of just, yeah. you know, that, that it's, you know, there's, there's, there's both. Mm-hmm. There's both Los Angeles, how much Los Angeles has contributed to Oaxaca and how much Oaxaca has contributed mm-hmm. to LA. And, you know, it's, it has uh, words um, captions of the images in Spanish, English, mm-hmm. and Zapoteco, so which were kind of like the three main languages. Yeah, so it was really cool. It was really awesome. I really liked it. But y'all should go see it definitely when you have a chance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what I really enjoy about that is because, well, in past episodes, we have talked about this weird romanticism, like how people romanticize indigenous mm-hmm. 
like like images and ideas rather than you know appreciating the people behind it Mm -hmm. because of the fact especially in mexico which like where we come from like the country of mexico all Mm -hmm. three of us here so it's difficult for us to talk about it of other places but it like there is so much violence Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. to indigenous women that we but like we still will have um what is it I don't know if any of you have seen Itu Mama Tamien. Yeah, I have. I have not seen it. Oh, okay. You have to watch it. It's okay. really amazing. It's yeah. a great um, young uh, Gael Garcia and Diego Luna. Mm-hmm. Cuties. Cuties. Real Okay, I know cuties. who they are. I have not heard about this. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So Itu Mama Tamien is an absolutely amazing film. It has like a simple plot, which mm-hmm. is basically like, oh, it's a you know, road trip film for teenagers coming of age and whatnot. But it's so much more than that, mm-hmm. especially because that movie, I would have to say personally, is a statement, a staple of what Mexico is. The movie's more about Mexico than it is about anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things there is um, Diego Luna, who is an absolutely amazing actor mm-hmm. from Mexico. He's also very light skinned. He mm-hmm. plays the son of a, what is it? governor or like something like some like politician Mm -hmm. and so what his father does to gain popularity votes is he named his son who is the main character what is it Tenoch yeah yeah he named him Tenoch which is like an indigenous name for like a warrior or something Mm -hmm. like I I could be completely wrong but it Mm -hmm. is like he was purposely Mm -hmm. named that so because politicians will get like more like higher approval rates if they show pride in indigenous culture rather than but like they won't like take care of the indigenous people which is shown Mm -hmm. throughout the entire movie wow yeah and so it's just like one small thing but it's like a really big thing that like just like we have all these like what is it photos like not photos but paintings Mm -hmm. and like souvenirs or whatnot of benito juarez who was our first like indigenous Indigenous. president of mexico but like for one thing mia abuelita from my mom's side is an indigenous woman um but she was so terrible she was treated terribly by not only her husband mia abuelito but like everyone around her because she was she was she is an indigenous woman Mm -hmm. so she faced a bunch of violence because of the like she faced indigenous a lot of violence because she is indigenous even though a lot of people are like oh yeah i love benito juarez i love all of this Mm -hmm. and so they'll like call her india and then like there was like whenever because my grandfather is Mm light-skinned like mexicano it really what is it his family and all these other people would mistreat like Mm -hmm. mi abuelita and so it's just like one way, like it just shows in so many different ways why the why Mexico, why and this could go on for like other Latin American yeah. like countries, but like are weird, complex, but terribly tragic or awful. Yeah. And it's very interesting because, um, so 
last, I think it was two weeks ago, um, I had the opportunity to translate and spend the day, two days, with um, this Panamanian indigenous activist mm-hmm. who came on campus. Oh, His damn. name was Celestino. So um, we had a lot of great conversations. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you know, con- connecting us like indigenous people. And one of the things that we actually talked about was the difference between indigeneity versus indigenous people. Okay. So it's kind of like, specifically within like the Latinx community with the Chicanx community, there's this like, there's this kind of like this, this, um, this goal and this objective to like, um, connect with indigenous culture, mm-hmm. to connect with indigenous roots and to connect, you know, with indigenous ideologies, indigenous methods, you know, just everything that has to relate to indigeneity. Mm-hmm. Um, and partic- particularly associating that with like Aztec Mexica culture specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really interesting is that like that also happens a lot within like specifically us uh, sp- specifically talking about my country and, spe- and sp- um, specifically, which is Mexico, um, as to how that that often gets romanticized. Um, but when it comes to actually talking and supporting and including indigenous people who are mm-hmm. still here today that that's there's no support in terms of that so you know i can speak a little bit about that about my home state how in oaxaca specifically more than 50 percent of the people are indigenous people and mm-hmm. they still have you know they still dress traditionally they still speak their language um and the government makes off money mexico this the country in general it's one of their highest tourist spots is Mm -hmm. Oaxaca and the reason is because of that is because of all the culture of all the food that are still being um, practiced and being used by indigenous people Mm -hmm. so how the government is profiting off of indigenous labor yet when it comes to issues about indigenous people such as for example one of the villages closest to mine um, had mining companies coming in and taking resources there's no active support from the government or specifically like the nation in general Mm -hmm. so you know it's a very very interesting topic and we also talked about um, one of the things was how dangerous nationalism is for indigenous people or how just like traumatic it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really interesting because like we again, we were talking about our experiences. Um, I forgot what tribe he was from, but the reservation that he lives on currently is called Nabebugle. And um, they are currently finding, fighting mining companies mm-hmm. um, that extract copper from their land. And one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest conversations we we talked about how like we are on these lands that 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 belong to certain countries. So like for example, my you know my Zapotec tribe is on Mexican, Mm -hmm. you know I'm I'm, um, putting quotation marks (laughs) technically on Mexico and his reservation is technically in Panama, but how like you know these these flags don't represent us. These flags Mm -hmm. don't represent who we are, what we do. And so, um, yeah, and how just nationalism, like, I told him, well, when I see a Mexican flag, it's, I feel very conflicted inside. Mm -hmm. And it depends on the environment I am, if I claim it or I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, you know, he was talking about, like, you know, same with him. When he sees the the Panamanian flag, it doesn't represent him. Um, And just, you know, just just interesting how that is, like, nationalism in general, how we still have indigenous people living on, 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 um, on in America, but yet there's, like, not really any acknowledgement of that, as well as any, like, support off Mm -hmm. of indigenous labor, which is 
pretty interesting. Yeah, I the, think. Oh no, 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 sorry. No, no, go for it. Yeah. Um, I think it's very interesting the whole like romanticizing indigenous culture in Mexico. Well, I'll speak to Mexico because that's what I know. Yeah, but um, like I grew up. Uh, I'm like from Tijuana, and it's um, like it's very sad because I like I went to like Catholic school and stuff, and it's just really sad how like people love to claim you know like oh your little traditional blouse and like traditional clothing but then um no one identifies as indigenous and and then when they see someone with like um a darker complexion or like darker skin tone they're like oh indio bajo el cerro shit like that you Mm -hmm. know it's like um it's such like mistreatment of indigenous people and then like being in Catholic school is there's like missions and stuff, you know. So they love going into indigenous communities and like mm-hmm. helping them and like fixing them. And yeah. <laughs> when they they like don't need that or they yeah. don't ask for that, you know. So like, I think it's ridiculous how everyone claims or they claim Mexico as this like beautiful place with so much culture, but like. All the culture literally that we have yeah. is from indigenous communities. Yet we keep treating them like shit and calling people by certain things. And I don't know if it comes necessarily from like colorism or what, but um or like even like social class because mm-hmm. like Yeah. I don't and know. it was just so interesting because I mean you're exactly right. I mm-hmm. mean, like it was so funny because um me and my cousin, we, oh well, oh, I went to go, she went to go watch Coco before I did, mm-hmm. and I went to go watch it too. And then, you know, she was like, oh, t- I talked to her after. She's like, I was like, is it what we thought it would be? And <laughs> she was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we had this conversation later, and then there was this article that was written, and it was and it was about this indigenous woman, and she was from my tribe too, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But this whole idea of just like, you know, romanticizing indigeneity mm-hmm. and how like, you know, like these did the beauty be behind specifically the country Mexico, mm-hmm. the beauty behind the culture, behind the languages, behind the music, behind the food, it's all been profited mm-hmm. off of indigenous community, especially indigenous labor. And, you know, when you were talking about the whole Catholicism and going to Catholic school, mm-hmm. I remember when I was, I think it was like four years ago, I went to Mexico City for like the second time in my life. But the first time I had gone, I was really small, so I don't remember and we went to the um, La Capilla de Guadalupe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Guadalupe. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the Guadalupe. Mm-hmm. And you know how they had the really big one? Yeah. And then, but we walked all the way to the to the original one that was uh-huh. on the top. And the one with like Juan Diego and stuff? Yeah, okay. the one on the top. And so we walked to the top and I remember like, because I grew up Catholic. I grew mm-hmm. up Catholic from my mom. And, and, and so that's also been a really part of my life growing up. And then we went to the top and I go inside and, you know, it's just, it's just very interesting. And I just find it, I just, I'm surprised as how much faith these people have. Mm-hmm. Like they literally like drag their feet, like mm-hmm. going up and climbing mm-hmm. up and, you know, just the amount of faith that have, but they have, which I just found super Wait interesting. Wait a minute. For those of our listeners who are not from Mexico, can you explain what this is? Yes, the La Capilla. Mm-hmm. So La Capilla is, uh, I'm not even sure <laughs> if I know what it is too. But it's uh, its this uh, this kind of like temple or mm-hmm. like church um, in where uh, they believe that, uh, was it Juan Diego? Yeah. Yeah, Juan Diego um, 
was revealed, which, oh my God, that's even problematic too, but <laughs> in which Juan Diego, which is an indigenous man, um, the Virgin Mary appeared to him mm-hmm. um, on on the land of, of which is Mexico. So this, it's this kind of like church that's devoted to the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so I remember we I got to the top and I walk in and I look and I turn to the right and the first image I see is this really tall painted image and it was just like a bunch of white priests mm-hmm. and how they just like <laughs> they had indigenous people like in chains and there was this wo- indigenous woman who was like holding her baby and and then you know this man just like with the cross and stuff so it basically had like oh, colonization <laughs> all written all over yeah. it and I don't know what it was, but I just started crying. Like, mm-hmm. I just, there was just this something in my heart that I just, you know, I just felt like I had been lied to my whole life. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was something very interesting. Like, I, I don't know, I was just so conflicted. But, you know, just just that image kind of just like, you know, it reminded me that, you know, why so many indigenous people have so many issues mm-hmm. in terms of like, whether it's with Catholicism in mm-hmm. general or religion in general or just trying to fit in within our community because we've always been trying been trying to assimilate into something that we're not and that was never made for us. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just I just remember that experience. And I w- I always found it interesting cuz I remember growing up well um you get taught in Mexico you get taught like uh history of Mexico, you know. And I always thought that history of the US was super boring cuz I knew everything started with like the british and stuff and that's all they taught you you know so i was like oh my god american history is so boring like in mexico like we are so cool and like um they're so progressive because we learn about indigenous people and we learn all about like olmecas and mayas and aztecs and all that and now that i think about it like it's (laughs) it's all bullshit you know because like um you know like we we get taught about like when Spaniards came and like all the uh the conflict between all the Aztecs and Olmecas and everything and like the timeline but we never get taught about the significance of everything you mm-hmm. know because like I guarantee you that like people in Mexico who I don't like romanticize sorry um all the indigenous culture and all that like no one has any idea what any of it means. And so we actually don't get taught shit about indigenous people when I thought that, like, Mm -hmm. Mexico does a great job (laughs) with their indigenous people, not, like, the U.S. But no, like, it's completely the opposite. And even within, like, Mexico in general, the country, Mm -hmm. like, even within indigenous communities that are now trying to assimilate into Mm -hmm. the mainstream culture, indigenous sexuality doesn't get acknowledged or talked about either. Mm -hmm. Just how, like... Before colonization, mm-hmm. you know, indigenous people didn't have a gender. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't associate with the gender. There was much more than that. Like, specifically from, you know, within the Zapata community, mm-hmm. there's this other gender considered Mushe. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's like, I have family members who identify as Mushe. Mm-hmm. I have people from the village who identify as Mushe. And how it's just so normalized for, mm-hmm. you know, for me and for, you know, like, it's, it's just something normal yet, like... I- explain. So... Um, mush, yeah, so Mushe, um, it's very interesting. So Mushe is like a kind of like a third gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's specifically really, uh, uh, really popular knowledge in common within, um, Juchitan, which is another kind of like a, a city close to the coast of Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's basically, uh, interesting because 
um, they have in LA. We have this festival called La Vela de Moshe, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like um, it's very similar, but not, I, I, I don't want to say it's the same thing, but it's very similar to kind of like um, uh, like uh, a drag competition, mm-hmm. but in specifically in terms of like who is like you know it's just, it's just a lot of. Um, a lot of uh, competitions in terms of like style and mm-hmm. kind of like a prom pageant, but like you know okay. for Musha for Mu- for the Musha community, mm-hmm. and so it's just this really huge celebration. Mm-hmm. And we like me and my mm-hmm. family always look forward to it. I've never gone because um, they started it when I moved to the Oregon my freshman Aww, year, so I'd never yeah. gone. And it's in November and it's in the weekend, but it's just like you know, it's just these these men who are dressed up as women and identify themselves as much and just how it's celebrated. Like, mm-hmm. it's just so normalized and something so beautiful and something that, like, you know, I have cousins who, you know, are straight men and when we engage with our family members who are Moshe or people in our community, like, it's just something so normal and mm-hmm. it's, like, it's just been in our history that, you know, we don't see it as any different, but, you know, in, in general, it's just, you know, like, oh, like, you know, you talk to someone else who's from Mexico and who isn't from that community. It's like, oh, like, you know, the Musha, you know, like it's something mm-hmm. that's coming. And you're like, no, I don't know what that is. And yeah. Yeah. How that also just gets erased within, you know, overall, which mm-hmm. is which is really sad. But Yeah. Going, going into that. Yeah. I think because um, I've read um, a lot about like um, indigenous communities with like the relation to gender. And the whole, gen- like, only two gender thing is a very, like, concept that was introduced by the colonizers, mm-hmm. you know. But it and it got erased, like you said, because um, I just learned, like, a couple months ago about the Mushe gender or people who identify as, like, Mushe. And, like, I was like, damn, <laughs> why don't we get, yeah. te- like, taught about this, you know, because... Um, I don't know. It's just like our education system, system too, like definitely does everything to erase indigenous communities. Mm-hmm. And um, well, my school, like like I said, like we didn't get um, taught any of that. And like, I think it's really sad that like, and also like the public education in Mexico is not the best. <laughs> um, so I like wonder how um other schools with like indigenous communities navigate that as well because like they don't even get taught their own history mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's something to think about and makes me pretty sad because you know the youth now especially from my community like they they're taught that assimilation is better mm-hmm. f- from their own people which just makes it even sadder mm-hmm. i know my mom, you know, when when we were growing up in the U.S., she'd prefer us to speak Spanish and English. And she'd mm-hmm. kind of be like, no, like, you know, like, I'm like, she and my mom, her and my dad would speak in Zapoteco to each other. And for us, you know, they'd speak with us sometimes, but they primarily wanted us to learn and speak Spanish and English. And it wasn't until my freshman year I had a project for my journalism class. And I decided to interview my mom and I was like, ask her. And I, uh, one of the questions was like, why? Why did you stop speaking to us? Mm-hmm. And in our language. And she was like, well, it's a useless language. And, um, you know, I just wanted y'all to be better off. Like, I mm-hmm. wanted you to have an easier time assimilating, an easier time living here than we did. And that your grandparents did. And, you know, at that moment, it just made me realize, you know, like, just how society teaches indigenous people that their culture that their language is useful Mm -hmm. but 
just how sad it is that it's been so integrated and so like forced upon these communities that they themselves believe that their culture that their language Mm -hmm. that they themselves are less of yeah which yeah is is really sad (sighs) but yeah wow well (laughs) no yeah yeah i see that a lot and it is awful honestly i know that's like a very vague (laughs) whatnot thing to say but particularly because i didn't grow up in mexico and also like i had a very what is it well i kind of did we used to spend a lot of time in veracruz which is a different culture than oaxaca Mm -hmm. and since i didn't go to school there i wasn't aware about like indigenous culture like education the little that was there Mm -hmm. but yeah i can speak to the fact that like especially as like a mexican-american like first generation person who didn't like spend any education like in mexico like this it becomes sort of like a which which brings us back to like mecha kind of Mm -hmm. it becomes like a safe heaven like haven whatever to think about atlan Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to think about like this indigenous imaginary land that belonged to us where somewhere we could feel like where brown brown people or like people who identify as brown or like people who are people of color mm-hmm. could i can and i can identify in this like oh wonderful land that was meant for us where we won't get discriminated or where we won't get like you know called spicks or beaners or wetbacks which are were words that like i was called a lot mm-hmm. being in white education here in oregon so that's why I was so quick to jump into these ideas of like romanticizing indigenous culture, mm-hmm. which I fully admit now. Mm-hmm. But with that, with that in mind, like it sort of like, especially Mexican Americans, we have to learn to step back and really recognize the fact that like we have a problem that we do not like that we romanticize these ideas yet we are unable to like we choose not to help we choose Mm -hmm. to further bring into stigmas about indigenous cultures and indigenous people and at the end like assimilation is something that like is widely promoted so yeah yeah definitely yeah i i think i'm definitely guilty of um like romanticizing indigenous cultures and little by little i've like acknowledged everything that like i was like shit i shouldn't have done that or like i um i shouldn't have thought of that and stuff like that but now educating myself i'm like shit this mm-hmm. isn't like the whole Esland thing like i i like that you brought that up because being in mecha like first um you know, you have this, like, whole, like, nationalism and, like, mm. being from Mexico. I'm like, yes, Mexico, the best place. Like, yep. fuck the U.S., blah, yep. blah, And, like, Aslan, we got to take it back, you know? Like, this was Mexico in the first place. And then um, recently I'm like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. okay, well, we're claiming Aslan, but, like, it's not even ours to claim, you know? That was already stolen land mm-hmm. from indigenous people. Yeah. And um, also, like, the whole, like you said, like... Um, 
not choosing to help in that like even a prime example of that was with the earthquakes that happened in mexico recently um i think it was during the summer right yeah um i was actually in guatemala when it happened really yeah i felt it oh shit um yeah the whole like everyone was starting to help so quickly and all that in Mexico City. Yeah. But then in indigenous communities or in smaller places such as Puebla and all that, Juchitan, like... Juchitan. Really? That was where the, the center of it was and that's mm -hmm. where the Musha community is so strong. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Like, I didn't know about that because yeah. no one talks about that. You know, it's all like Mexico City, Mexico City, oh shit, like the city's falling apart yeah. yet um communities that need more help the government was like oh no we're good yeah yeah, yeah. i'm really glad you brought that up because it's it's a perfect example mm -hmm. mexico city was getting so much help so much aid mm -hmm. and the earthquake hit the center of the coast of oaxaca where indigenous where oaxaca is one of the poorest states mm -hmm. of mexico and it's the only state that where more than 50 percent of the community is indigenous mm -hmm. and so i definitely saw that you know kind of i mean well, I thought I saw a lot of support because all of the people I follow are within my community mm -hmm. or in the Zapata community. And they're like, oh, we're doing like even in Los Angeles, we're doing a Gelaguetza, which is a traditional like uh, which is a festival, a traditional festival in Oaxaca. But we're doing Gelaguetza, we're doing bailes because we're trying to fund raise funds for, you know, our brothers and sisters. I'm sorry, our folks mm -hmm. back home on the lands um, and, and, and those people who need that assistance. Um so, yeah, it was just, you know, a diff difference of, of the contrast. And then also how just like, yeah, just, just you know, going into Mecha and, and you know, the, how problematic it is, you know, just, mm -hmm. just thinking about these, you know, I, I myself am guilty of it because, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know um, a lot about. I, I, well, it wasn't that I didn't know. I didn't uh, begin to appreciate and stand up for my community until I came to college because mm -hmm. that was when, you know, I was taught, hey, it's okay to be an Indian. Hey, it's okay, you know, to be proud of where you come <laughs> from. It's proud to speak your language. Like, you know, be unapologetically indigenous, you know. You, I, you know, I, I do acknowledge I am on, like, you know, I am a settler here mm -hmm. on Kalapuya, but it's just, it's like, you know, it's... I I am uh, I as well I myself you know am I, I'm able to be proud of where I come from and the, the land that I come from and so you know how just in Mecha there's just like you know this huge focus on Chicanx nationalism and like just national mm -hmm. and how that like Chicanx hegemony Mexican hegemony just like not only overrules other country other Latin, latinx countries such as guatemala el salvador mm -hmm. honduras nicaragua but it also excludes its own the own people mm -hmm. that were there first and that lie between those yeah. borders and so yeah and then you know, i like when i talk to people i'm just like especially you know folks who are from latin america and i'm like just you know don't don't fuck up <laughs> yeah. like mexico has <laughs> fucked up with its indigenous mm -hmm. people you know acknowledge the people who are there acknowledge the communities who are there because you know even you even if you are repping your mexican flag you're repping your salvi flag you're repping your guatemalan flag like think about if those people who are on those lands feel represented by that mm -hmm. so you know just taking that even to a bigger context yeah, and Damn. with that in mind, we have to um, start wrapping up right now. This has been great. I do want to hear some last words from y'all. So, Marianne? Um, like, as you were talking, I thought of something <laughs> for my closing <laughs> words, but um, I totally forgot. But I think just, oh, yeah, I specifically want to, like, thank... I. 
I seriously think I need to do better with this, but I want to thank all like the indigenous activists um, because I I honestly think I've learned more about life in general from social media like then like from school and stuff like all of my organizing and like activism comes from all the information I get from social media so like I want to thank all like the indigenous activists and um, indigenous people who uh, speak up about their communities and um, educates me or educate me about um, the whole like Aslan thing and nationalism and all that so I I want to acknowledge that I I haven't done great in that aspect and I'm trying to do better <laughs> and you you can always do better you know and so yeah I just want to thank all the super cool and rad activists on Twitter who like educate me and I yeah I need to acknowledge more often that we are on stolen land we gotta stop or uh, well i'm gonna speak for myself i gotta stop um romanticizing indigenous culture i don't do it as much but you know you get slip-ups because you think all mexican culture is your culture <laughs> and then i realize like that's not true um so yeah and this has been a really good topic and Thank you, Romani, for being here. Yeah, thank you. I'm like, yeah. you said that. I'm like, Frida Kahlo problematic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, she damn. is. She is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no final words. I just wanted, uh, first of all, to thank you too for letting me be here and and being able to share some, you know, have have mm-hmm. conversations. And yeah, like Marianne said, it it is a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I'm guilty of it too, and I'm an indigenous person. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it takes time, but um, you know. Just, you know, yeah, just acknowledge, acknowledge the people who Mm -hmm. were here before us. And if you are an activist, if you're an organizer in your community, um, I know we've talked this a lot with other organizations, but like if you ever, you know, find out how you can also give back and give space to those indigenous communities Mm -hmm. that are present in your community and also who were there first, um, building that relationship and giving that acknowledgement is definitely a step towards you know progression a step towards unity um and yeah and you know for all the folks out there um who are listening from other latinx countries that are not specifically Mm -hmm. mexico um yeah just just reflect on on you know those people who are within your communities i was very touched when i talked to celestina who was from panama that mm-hmm. you know when i told him that i feel like the mexican flag doesn't represent me and he told me that the panian that the panamanian flag in no way reflects him and how you know um mestizaje specifically in latin america and how you know prideful um people latinx people are just you know so prideful in repre- repping their flag you know and repping where they come from which in no way like has any like you know it's not a bad thing mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like you can be proud of where you come from but also you know depending on the environment you're in like you know being aware that you know for some people um who are from the country that you reside in you know that flag doesn't always represent that mm-hmm. i've i know i've had that similar experience and and have shared that experience specifically with um indigenous folks living in the u.s where the u.s does not represent them where the mexican flag does not represent indigenous people in mexico where the panamanian flag doesn't represent indigenous people in panama so you know just 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 being able to do that and and educating ourselves on indigenous um, on indigenous knowledge or, you know, having patience with that because we don't always have to rely on indigenous people to educate us mm-hmm. when we ourselves have access to that information. But yeah, just 
shout out to the to the fucking indigenous community out there for everyone mm-hmm. who's organizing, who's fighting for mines to get off of their land, who's fighting for clean mm-hmm. water, who's fighting for the right to have access to education. Like mad respect for everyone out there for all my from from all my indigenous people in throughout all of America. Mad respect and and um you know it's just got to keep on going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's my final words. Those are amazing final words. Um, my last thing I do want to say is for all of those who, like me, had to, like, it wasn't until adulthood, adulthood that I was able to learn about, one, my nationality culture, my Mexican culture, and then a little bit about, like, I don't know, my Afro-Latinx culture, which just want to state this up front, I do not claim to be Afro-Latinx. Mm-hmm. I am a descendant, but I do not claim. Um, it, like, just take the time to realize that not everything is your culture, mm-hmm. like Marianne said. And also just take the time to realize that, like, hey, it's okay to, like, love, like, indigenous culture, to, like, appreciate it. Because it's wonderful. Yeah. It truly it's is. Amazing. It's amazing. It's fucking amazing. But to not just stop it at, oh, hey, this, like, this bracelet, this, like, this skirt, these chunk glass, whatever, um, that they look amazing, and this is indigenous culture, and this is Mm -hmm. mine, but rather take the extra step. Take the extra steps and learn more about it and appreciate it. And even if it's not from you, like, remember, like, appreciate it very much. With this in mind, be willing to make up improvements on yourself. I know one thing for Mecha is that we have this, like, took away Atslan from mm-hmm. um, yeah. our title, which is, like, a step. It's a small yeah. step, mm-hmm. and we're hoping to make bigger steps to recognize this really weird hegemony that we have. But... Yeah, that is our last words, yeah. and we have to start wrapping up. Romario, thank you so much. Thank no, you. thank you for having mm-hmm. me. I appreciate it. And thank you all so much for listening to our chapter squad. So we got to go. Bye. 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 TQM. Bye. 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 Bye.